When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. See, you said you weren't ready yet, and you never said you were ready. So I yeah, blame I blame true. anyone that's but me. me. Okay, that's it's it's you're on right. me. That's your right. Thank mm-hmm. you. That's an American. Yeah, <laughs> American podcaster. I'm right. I'm at a Walmart right now, and I'm not wearing a mask. <laughs> recording in the middle of a Walmart. <laughs> in in the middle of the electronics section. In the middle of the cereal aisle. <laughs> That's why I have Cortana behind me, so you can't see <laughs> can't see the cereal. <laughs> Sir, please. Uh I love it. Um, okay. Let's try and remind ourselves where we're at. Walmart. We're at a Walmart. This is in a Walmart. (laughs) (laughs) Travis is trying to podcast in the middle of a Walmart. I'm in a Walmart. Travis is in a Kmart. Shut up. (laughs) That's right. One of the cool fantasy things about the world of Skyjacks is we still have Kmart. Yeah, Kmart did not go bankrupt in Spear. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good. You are left heaving and exhausted, bound to one another by the tangled complexity of your own relationship. As Gable wakes up, one of the first things they see is Travis's tail receding. And the first thing they think when they see that is realizing what he's done. I think uh, Travis sort of looks over to Gable. I need you to promise me that whatever we do, we do together. And I need you to mean that promise. Gable brings him into a big hug. (laughs) Mm. I Um, promise. So I believe that Travis and Gable, they're like in an embrace and they're still just sort of out of breath from this this wild like fight and they're just like overcome with emotion. And I think that uh, in the middle of all of this, they are both just so overwhelmed. And I think that Travis looks up at Gable way, way up Gable bends down and they share a brief kiss before we cut the scene. Mm. 
so so like they are i guess standing in each other's arms because i had pictured them no. sort of seated or yeah oh, uh, okay. like sitting on knees mm. I, I almost and like let me know if you don't like this i kind of pictured because like there was this tumble and this tussle and it burned away that like kind of gable is like sort of slumped against the ground sitting up and travis is in their arms because that that feels like it was easy to me. So like Gable pulled Travis into this embrace. So their legs are underneath them, sort of like seated on the ground next to each other. Mm-hmm. They have this embrace. Travis says that they move back to look at each other. And Travis is still, I guess, technically looking way, way up at Gable. And then this happens. The thing that I want to know is, are they both moving in at the same moment or does one of you move in to do this and and the other accept it? How does that work? I think Gable makes the initial first kind of gesture and then Travis pulls them down. (laughs) I like that. And as the kiss connects... I'm not going to cut away yet because there there's important things that need to happen here. I think the strings that were binding you, uh, they were providing comfort and safety from the pain that was racking you and the anger that you were throwing at each other. But they're also binding you tight together right now. And as this kiss happens, even if it is a small kiss, those strings loosen and lax a little bit like that tension that had built up in this relationship slacks and it is no longer stifling and there is a relief and peace that accompanies that feeling And then the two of you, both at the same time, suffer five strain or five wounds if you don't have strain to cover it. Hmm. I think I'm actually what James, I'm taking have... eleven strain. Ooh, you're taking a lot. Oh, that's right. Hell yeah, we're we're still doing it. It's still fine. <laughs> what happens? I don't think this kills anyone. No, I'm still zero strain. Then it goes into wound. Yeah, if if you if you pass your strain strain it goes into wounds. Yeah, I'll do that then. So I'm at cool. I'm at a zero strain and that's it. And before we deal with that, let's cut back to Jonnet. Okay. So depending on whose turn it is, cuz does the Uhuru get a turn at all? I think uh, we're just skipping have, over the Uhuru. We, we have been skipping over the Uhuru because we've kind of come to the point in the battle okay. where the focus is on what's happening with the main characters. If you want the Uhuru to take a turn, I would definitely be open to the crew of the Uhuru doing something about like the Mariners that are still around. I'm only asking because if the Uhuru had a turn, I would like Toku to jump in. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I think he proximity wise, he's close. He's there. He's right there. Yeah. Yeah. 
let's have Toku make an attack. It is against three red, but it's going to be rolling against Toku's two green and one yellow. Yeah, this I feel like this all fits in like the nightmare mode when Jonnet is thrashing and in real time crying for help, but then also moving too slow to escape any kind of clutches. I like that a lot. Uh, so roll, uh, roll that attack. Okay. Um, sorry. One more time. Give that to me. Sorry. Uh, two green, one yellow against three red. Gotcha. Come on, buddy. Oh, John right. it. Okay. All right. So here's what is going to happen. <laughs> so we've got two successes. Wow. <laughs> one threat. And then one despair. Uh, oh, shoot. Uh, wait. What? Gosh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, I really couldn't ask for a more perfect role. Yeah. Uh, so I think what is going to happen is in the Mariner's other hand, we can f- see like kind of the flesh sort of shrink uh, on his hand like like it kind of emaciates a little bit and his other hand becomes more skeletal and you can see the mariner's mark deep in black on his palm and very very slowly it extrudes a rusted sword that like sinks out and then sits comfortably in his hand and uh. he pulls it back as if to stab Jonnet through the chest. And this is when Toku comes in. Toku rushes forward, you know, crying his battle cry, and his blade meets the Mariner's. He, like, pushes the Mariner's blade back and slashes across the Mariner's chest. And the Mariner's chest opens up in green-blue flames. The Mariner moves his blade to point it at Toku, and our despair is that the Mariner casts a spell, a spell that you have witnessed before, the Drowning. And Toku's lungs start to fill with water. Oh. Um, and from the inside, he has to breathe out that water. He starts coughing and sputtering and, and stepping back and, and falling down. He, he is trying to vomit and, and cough out this water all at once. And he can no longer stand to defend Jonnet at this point. Because this is a despair, I am going to take a hit point away from Toku. Toku has more than zero hit points. Very Um, cool. (laughs) Probably after this moment, we'll probably have to have a conversation about Toku getting even more hit points as he has thrust himself into be a more important NPC. (laughs) But you said this also provided two advantages, right? It was two two successes, successes, one threat, and then one despair. One threat and one despair. So, yeah, I think the successes is he has prevented the Mariner from stabbing Jonnet. But to, you know, send Toku back and and drive him away, 
did not really take much of his focus. Great. Jonnet, what do you do? Oh, man, that is such a... This is all a lot. <laughs> um, all right, so Jonnet is going to... He's going to hit the floor. My question I always have to ask, is the underswell still in effect? I, I think it is, uh, okay. um, unless you do something specific to break it. But, oh, have you like wiggled out of his hand and are just sitting on the ground? I, I kind of like well, that. I thought or, that when Toku sort of slashed uh, the Mariner away, that in my head that released his grasp. Okay, yeah, let's do that. I like that. I like okay. that. So, so Jonnet is is now on the ground looking up at the at the Mariner and like the horror that the Mariner is looking at this person gives you the same feeling of being on a rolling sea with waves that tower over a ship. The whole experience is chilling and terrifying and makes you feel small and helpless. When Jonnet is faced with this, I think we're going to learn something important about Jonnet. Jonnet is like in a moment of real despair. Everyone who was around who could have helped him is now incapacitated in some way. He is facing a force that is larger than him and is incredibly scary and means him harm. What does he do? All right. I'm going to need... I'm, I got I can't remember. What is the name of the weapon that future John had had? Uh, it's oh. the, the two... Not, like, yeah. the two... Ah. It is called a Kusarigama. Kusarigama. Jonnet is going to, he's going to call out to his future self. I would like to, I don't know if I need a roll for this. I really just want to reach out into the future, grab the Kasari Gama and pull it back in like, and have it be materialized in real time and like the present. Yeah. Um, I'm going to pull a luminary for this. Cool. <laughs> It's very fucking cool. He's, he's just borrowing it. <laughs> just a second. Just, just yeah, yeah, a second. yeah. I just need it. You're not using this, right? <laughs> I like to think that whenever Jonnet reaches out to future Jonnet, it's always when he's at breakfast or something. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's like having a nice conversation with his other like future friends. And future a, Gable, future Travis. And a, a little boy's hand just like disappear appears out of nowhere. Scrabbling <laughs> on a table. <laughs> So we got the newborn, beginnings, responsibility, and potential. Oh, I mean. How do you get more Jonnet Kessler than potential, baby? <laughs> I think the Mariner raises this rusty blade as though he is going to kill Jonnet and begins to like swing it down. And when Jonnet is desperate and alone and where most people would have completely abandoned hope, what does Jonnet draw on for strength? He draws on the man he will one day become. And Tyler, you got something to say, I can tell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I wanna, I wanna, okay, so the Mariner, he takes the blade and he's about to, he's, he's dropping it on Jonnet and Jonnet reaches out to sort of I guess from the perspective of the camera, just like shield his hands, like shield his face with his hands or something. And 
we have a moment where we it's a tight on the blade, the tight on the blade coming down, coming down, coming down, and then it just stops. It just stops like right there, kind of just in thin air, but you hear this like harsh metallic sound and it's on the Mariner, it's on Jonnet, and then it's back on the blade. And then you see kind of like, it's truly just kind of like materializing in real time. Oh, yes. Just the two elegant parts of the Kasari Gama. Because Jonnet wasn't shielding himself. He was reaching out and he grasped the Kasari Gama from the future and is now using it in the present day. Yeah, and I think we hear Jonnet's scream. It is not a scream of terror. It is not a scream of anger. It is a scream of effort as he is now holding bound up in the chain the Mariner's sword and attempting to push it back. Jonnet's eye, his third eye, has snapped wide open and the power of it, I think, has like sent the headband flying in the wind. Um, yeah, he's going to so need now- a new headband. The mariner, the mariner is like staring down at Jonnet with his blazing ghost light eyes. Jonnet is staring back with the divine glow of the universe emanating from his third eye and mustering all of the strength that he has in his body to push back this blade. He has, through sheer willpower and sheer faith in himself, manifested the weapon that he will one day master in order to hold back this blade and stay it so that he can grow up to be that person. And he is fighting the Mariner, and fighting the Mariner is like fighting the ocean. You summon all of your strength, but even now, slowly pushing forward, the blade is sinking down against you. You are shaking and forcing yourself, trying to exude more power against this. Suddenly, cutting through all of that, there is the chink of metal on metal. And the unstoppable force of the ocean stops and starts to push back. And Jonnet, looking up from where the Kusarigama is staying the blade, he sees another blade pushing back against the mariners. And it is the blade of Oromar Vale. Hey. Looking up, you can see the man himself, his eyes blazing, full of much more life and focus than you have seen of him since he died. He, he confidently swipes the blade and it sends the mariner stumbling back. He then moves to step, not in front of, but beside Jonnet as he points his blade towards the mariner. Jonnet sees this, takes it in, takes one end of the Kasari Gama and points it right alongside the captain. The captain winks. Uh, Fuck off. 
Hey heroes, it's James, your Game Master, and welcome to the mid-roll. We got a couple announcements this week, but before we get to that, we have a radvertisement from none other than Liz Anderson. Let's listen in. Paired. Now reading. Show description for podcast Paired. Paired is a short-form comedy fiction podcast, exploring guided meditations and musings from your digital assistant. Paired is a podcast that answers the question, what if Alexa weren't evil? Paired will debut its new season on September 25th, featuring guest stars such as Janet Varney, Philip Molina, Addison Peacock, Alex Flanagan, Sarah Shockey, and many more. Paired is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. And show description. Unpaired. Heroes, if you love Campaign Skyjacks, I know you're going to love Paired because it has the one primary ingredient that is absolutely necessary to make a good podcast that most podcasts lack. And that is Liz Anderson. A huge thank you to Liz and Paired for supporting the show this week. Heroes, we are in the last full week of our Kickstarter for Skyjack's Call of the Sky, the first volume to the campaign Skyjack soundtrack. There are going to be a couple days next week, but this is the last big one. And right now, we have all of our stretch goals on the table. As of this recording, you just hit our $37,000 stretch goal, which will get you cords for the Cutting Stone. Coming up soon at $39,000, we'll give you cords for Toast the Axle. And at $40,000, you will get Braith and June's duet of Lighthouse, performed by Mel D'Amato and Allie Grauer. Heroes, I promise you, it is so worth it. Their duet is a adorable and beautiful and it made me like those characters so much more it might be a bit of a stretch but right now we are hoping that we can end this campaign at forty-five thousand dollars. if we hit forty-five thousand, not only will we hit the other two chord stretch goals getting us chords for johnny forgot his square knot and otto van von veen but if we hit forty-five thousand, arnie and tyler will collaborate on a new song for campaign skyjacks Arnie and Tyler have already worked together once before, and the results were amazing, so I am really hoping we get a chance to book them for this show. The only way to guarantee that collaboration is hitting that $45,000 mark. All that extra money will mean great compensation for Arnie as a performer, and that is very important to me. So if you haven't already, please head over to kickstarter.com and search for Skyjacks the Album, or head to bit.ly slash callofthesky.ks. Before we get back to the show, a huge thank you to our backers on Patreon. We wouldn't be able to make this show without you. Casey turned in some amazing work for this episode, and your Patreon dollars help pay Casey's wages. I can't tell you what it means to have the opportunity to work with so many talented people. And thanks to all of you, everyone working on the show gets paid fairly. With all that out of the way, it's time for us to get back to the episode. Oh, I just remembered what episode this is and what's happening this episode um so also please do not spoil this episode um 
I want to put the same week-long moratorium on spoilers. Uh, if you want to talk about spoilers and you want to talk about them in public forums, uh, be sure if you're in Discord to use the spoiler bars. And be sure if you are on Tumblr or Twitter to use to use hashtag SkyJackSpoilers to tag your spoilers so that other people can avoid them if they don't want to be spoiled before they listen to the episode. Thank you all so much for being so good to each other. And with all that out of the way, let's get back in the sky. We see Jonnet standing with the chain of his Kusarigami pushing against the rusted blade that the mariner wields. There is this titanic force behind it. And, oh, I actually should look up a this word. Also, while you're doing this, in the time that we haven't been recording, I've been watching videos of, like, Kasari Gama, like, sparring. And it is such a wild, like, instrument just to see people, like, with such accuracy flinging this thing and like disarming other what it's so cool and also is, not like how who thought this was a good idea but well, it is w- one of the cool <laughs> things about the weapon uh and the reason i really like it as a weapon is it is a tool that has been changed into a weapon uh mm. it is something a peasant would use to fight so unlike something like a sword uh that there's a big air of nobility about it and like you would only really be able to afford one if you were very wealthy and uh, of, of a noble class like kusari gama is i have a farm implement that needs to be a weapon because mm. i'm about to go into a fight so there's something very proletarian about Jonnet having this like peasant weapon and using it to fend off like this horrible sea god, you know? Love it. Okay. So Jonnet is pushing back against the titanic force of the Mariner's strength. It is not just fighting a person. It is fighting the current. It is fighting the waves. While your arms may weaken and buckle against this pressure, the waves continue to roll forward. It is overwhelming force. They are brutal hits, but they are also continual and ceaseless in a way that lets you know eventually you will be worn down. And then your Kusarigama is joined by Kyuja Haki, the sword of Oromar Vale, something that translates roughly to the process of justice. Oromar pushes back against the Mariner's Blade alongside you, and there is the scream of metal as the rusted blade sloughs off. The Mariner looks at the figures in front of him. One, a boy who is really in rough shape right now, not having the best day, uh, has... (laughs) Like, I I think you got a couple scrapes, a couple bruises. The wind and water is whipping at your skin. Um, And I I think 
you know, you can decide whether it's out of fear or exhaustion, but I think Jonnet might be shaking a little bit. But I want to know, what, what's Jonnet's facial expression like at this time? I think it's, honestly, through, like, through the most shocking thing right now is that Oromar Vale is in front of him. Jonnet is processing the Mariner. He had that information before, but Oromar Vale being in front of him in this moment, helping him out, battle ready, is is taking him even further aback. Um, so... Yeah, he's he is he is trying to process a lot and also he has this weapon that he's never used before in his hands <laughs> and it's what he needed but he doesn't know exactly how to use this thing yet. So he's he's going through a lot. <laughs> Oromar is standing beside Jonnet now pointing his blade at the Mariner. There is a picture of steely resolve on his face, and he radiates strength and confidence. It's hard to parse right now whether this is simply the captain's personality finally being brought to the surface, or these are the actions of a dead man who cannot possibly be afraid of the most terrifying thing on this planet. The Mariner looks at the two of you with its burning skeletal eyes, that blue-green ghost light that sits within the collection of corpses and detritus that makes up the body of the Mariner. And it feels as though those eyes come to a focus, almost like we are seeing a squint or a furrowing of the Mariner's brow. The Mariner moves forward with a swing. His sword once again meets the blade of Oromar Vale. They connect in the air, and Oromar wraps an arm around Jonnet's shoulders, pulling him closely into his body. The impact of the sword strikes the both of you and sends you skating across the wet ground. There is so much strength behind the blow. It takes all of Jonnet's like balance and reflexes to stay on his feet while Oromar steadies him and stands against the strike, holding it at bay from the two of you. The Mariner strikes again, this time with a quicker blow, trying to swing for Jonnet. With a simple movement, Oromar gracefully guides his blade through the air to meet the Mariner's strike again. And then Oromar makes his own counter blow. And soon the shining blade of Oromar Vale and the rusted blade of the Mariner are meeting each other in the air rapidly. At first, it feels like a regular sword fight, two opponents moving each other back and forth across the ground, with the Mariner's blows being heavier than any blow should be. And slowly, the fight starts to accelerate, moving at speeds that a human being could not possibly move at. We can see that the strength of the Mariner's blows like, are really hitting Oromar, but they are merely pushing him about. They are not breaking through his guard. They are also battering the landscape around you too. With 
one of his swings being deflected, the mariner will cleave through pieces of buildings, smashing up any doors or barrels that happen to be in the streets as their fight moves on. Ormar, throughout all of this, is simply meeting the mariner's strength with his own, meeting the mariner's speed with his own. The water falling down on top of them uh, starts to get pushed back by the strength of their blows. There are huge explosions of rain and wind around the two of them as the fight accelerates. And the mariner's eyes reach that point, that squinting, furrowed point, and he speaks. We have crossed blades before. And let's cut over to Gable and Travis. Gable and Travis, you've had a time. You're feeling more tired by the second. What do you do? Can we see what's happening? I I think, like, if you take the time to clear your heads, like, you are at the bottom of this grand staircase that leads up to Upper Nordia. Um, And I I think with the intensity of the fight above you, like, uh, you can definitely see that something big is going down up there. Where's Jonnet? I was going to ask. Oh, no. And I think... From what we can see, does it look as if like there's like an end game happening up there? I yeah, I, I think so. I, I think whether or not you can see that it's Jonnet and Oromar standing off against the Mariner, like there is at least for Gable specifically, like there's this sense of malicious intent that is standing at the top of the stairs in Nordia. Like you can feel the Mariner there. And I, I think Travis, you've got those animalistic senses. You're also a person who has lived 200 years. Like you, it's hard to live that long, even with changeling powers. If you can't tell when some shit is going down. <laughs> can you run? Travis doesn't answer and just takes off. Gable runs after him. So the two of I'm you. I'm so proud. <laughs> the, the two of you are moving up the stairs. And we just get the pounding of feet and, and splashing of water as, as these two move up. The storm is not letting up at all. And we can see now that the wall of fire has uh, broken down behind you. There are mariners once again starting to move off the ship and begin their march towards Nordia once more. You come up uh, upon this scene. I think, Gable, you are the first to see it. Uh, I, I don't think it was difficult for you to overtake Travis. You're just so much taller than him. You run up and you can see that Oromar and Jonnet are now fighting the Mariner together. Jonnet, I, I think at this point, I'll let Tyler take over. Uh, you know, wh- how, how is Jonnet doing? Because I think the Mariner is trying to attack you. And for the worst of it, the things that you can't avoid, Oromar is doing his best to move in the way and deflect those blows. I think this is probably one of those moments where if Jonnet looks back at this memory, he's going to be sorely disappointed with how much of 
Like, he can't find the pocket for him. He can't find necessarily, like, uh, he doesn't, like, he's trying to get a handle on this weapon. He's doing a lot of defensive blocking, and he's missing a lot, which is causing Ormar to step in and kind of save his ass repeatedly within, like, a very short amount of time. But he is trying to, he won't, like, leave he he won't leave combat. He he is continuing to try and like find his pocket, but it is incredibly hard. And so I think yeah, this will be motivation for him in the future. But right now he's not at his best. He's done better. Uh, um, should I should I be should I be rolling for anything or we will get okay, to the cool. rolling. Thank I you. want to get everybody in one place before sure. we drop back into mechanics out gotcha. of these cinematics. Uh, Love it. So, Travis, you're running up uh, like I, I think you can see this scene as well, but there is a tugging on your pinky as you pass the building that Margaret was thrown into. You just have a feeling that that's where she is. Uh, I'll run in and, and check on her or check right. if she's there. I am going to pull a luminary for this because I frankly didn't have a plan for if Margaret got hit at all during all of this. You know, I wasn't expecting that to happen. So I just want to see what kind of trouble we're in. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the luminaries have been a big X factor here because, uh, I do have plans for Margaret and like I had plans for this whole Nordia adventure, but every time I pulled the luminary, it changed them. So, <laughs> okay. Uh, it's the newborn, which is about uh, responsibility and opportunity and things. Uh, so, I, I think that works very well in your favor. So, you enter this building uh, and you can see, you know, the horror of a very domestic scene where clearly something very violent and chaotic has recently happened. There are these shelves full of preserves and trinkets and cooking implements mixed with shattered bits of wood and furniture that has been thrown about uh, with blood on the floor. And you can see there is Margaret who has a lot of blood on her clothing right now. I I, I think uh, she struck her head as she was thrown through this door and it kind of pooled out from there a little bit. There are terrified people that I think like when Travis walks into the room, you can see there was somebody in here who's got basically like a fireplace poker that was ready to attack you. But, but seeing that you are not a mariner, like freezes up and lets you pass as, as you walk over to Margaret. Do I still look a little spooky? I can't remember. Uh, you turned full chimera and I kind of think after that Mm, you were able to change back into a man fair enough are you okay is this your blood whose blood is this Margaret it it, it seems like she's got trouble focusing and and trouble speaking what what do you do so first I'm just going to try and draw her attention to me Mm-hmm. Um, 
How does Travis do that? I think that he has, he had watched Dref do enough medical stuff that he doesn't, he knows the base, you know, you, you know, as he knows as much as you would know from watching like ER, which is not much and probably not correct, but you know, kind of like snapping, trying to like get her focus and like sitting her up maybe getting some water for her, you know, just trying to make her more alert. Yeah. I, I think Travis is, Right now in a situation where somebody important has been hurt and he is scrambling at different ways to show care for them. I I, I think it ends with like kind of an intimate gesture or, or maybe a note of desperation or something. What, what, like, what is that? I think he raises his hand and like uh, flicks his pinky. Mm. Yeah, I was trying to avoid this, but I think there's no way to do it. I, I think, Travis, you lose another hit point. Um, Fair enough. And with that, some of the wounds like close themselves up, like Margaret's swimming eyes that were unfocused before focus up and they focus on you and you can feel suddenly some of her power in the air um and as she does that like she she starts to move her body under her own power and she looks up at travis just in time what happened well uh i believe jonnet is in danger right now. Well, we're we're all in danger. I mean, the the mariner is here. He's standing amongst us. We have to go. We we have to get Jonnet and leave. Uh, oh oh! I believe you've got a bunch of blood on you. What what else? What what else do we want to point out? I believe that person has a big fireplace poker. This is I'm a so fun. This is a fun game. No, I have it's good that you're very helpful in a. <laughs> <laughs> what? You you crashed into my abode. <laughs> yeah, you Thank you for also anything. stating a fact. <laughs> it's good to see that you keep your head cool in a crisis. <laughs> what happened to you? I was struck by one of the mariners soldiers can you walk can you run can you fight i can fight i don't know how to fight that i don't know how anyone can well on the bright side neither do i (laughs) (laughs) uh so travis uh with margaret like in good enough shape to move. Uh, the question is, what do you do next? Now that I, I think I know that she's safe. If, and when you're able come to the ship to help fight. And if you don't, I won't hold it against you. The ship. I I thought people were evacuating from the ship. 
Jonnet and the Mariner are at the ship, right? Or am I mistaken? Jonnet and the Mariner are right now in a kind of thoroughfare at like it's not quite an alley. It's like a path that connects this the stairs, the staircase from Lower Nordia to Upper Nordia in like a T section. Mm. Like moving across that, there is a path between the town square and the skyship port. So they're in the middle of these three points. When you feel up to it, if you're willing, come to the stairs by the ship port to fight. And if you don't, I won't hold it against you. You realize that's going to cost you. You don't want to just help and be a good person? (laughs) (laughs) Travis, I am working when... I help you uh, as I do want to see Jonnet safe and, and Gable safe and you safe as well. But facing the Mariner, that's not for free. Like I said, if you don't come, I won't hold it against you. And Travis leans down and kisses her and says, that one's on the house. And then leaves. Damn! Oh, that's a power up. That's a Oh, that rules. Oh, good job, Jonathan. Coiled. (laughs) Coiled. Let's cut over to Gable. Gable, you know, you you see this scene of Orimar and Jonnet struggling against the Mariner. What do you do? I believe Gable is going to try and cast a spell Mm. because I think they know better enough than to try and get involved in the fight right now. But what they can do now that that wall of fire is gone and they're in a place where there are like in all these houses, there are civilians. They're going to try and create a barrier around them to kind cool. of choke them in. Yeah. And that's that's sort of, that's the plan, Stan. That's a good plan. Um, I think I'll call the check hard. That sounds right. I yeah, I can't see it being average. And this is not a combat maneuver anyway. Um, okay. Oh, no. Uh-oh. Oh, that's a failure. <laughs> a failure and an advantage. Okay, failure and an advantage. So I, I think this is just a variant on the spell that Gable performed earlier. Once again, like like you, you come across this scene, you see this chaotic battle, you know that the people around here are in danger. So you take your sword and you plant it into the ground. And once again, like those gold flames, like spring to life on the blade and then start to bleed across the ground to create this ring of fire that, that starts to encircle this fight. The Mariner notices this, and I think 
he will, like, in the middle of fighting Oromar, Oromar presses with an advance um, and, like, jabs his sword towards the Mariner. The Mariner parries and then scrapes the ground with his blade and a sort of wash of water springs up and comes to meet the fire. And the air starts to fill with that smell of rotting fish and seaweed as that pushes back against the fire. And Gable is just hit with a swell of tiredness. They have just dropped out of their berserker rage. They have been fighting so hard today. And uh, there is something that was mysteriously kind of draining at their energy. So it's hard to maintain this spell against the Mariners pushing back. However, you do have an advantage. And I think the advantage is the Mariner kind of had to focus and pay attention to counteract against your spell. With that, I want to turn to Jonnet. Tyler, this is the time where you can roll things and and tell me what Jonnet is trying to do. Yeah. Before that, at this point, we've been fighting the Mariner for at least a couple, like a, a couple minutes. Mm-hmm. What is what is the Mariner's dominant side, left or right? Ooh, or or that we can tell, or is that a um, I yeah, I, I might want a perception check from John. Okay. I really like that Jonathan's like, okay, it's time to analyze the Mariner's fighting oh, style. Just all right, geometry going all over the face. Yes, <laughs> and with two green dice. Uh, so <laughs> oh, no. I assume. This is going to be rough. Yeah, I'm going to have to put it at hard. Yeah. Okay. We'll see. We'll see. We'll just see. Wow. <gasps> Could not have fucked that up more. That is, <laughs> 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 uh, that is two failures. Oh, oh no. <laughs> uh, okay. Jonnet, you are looking at the Mariner as he's fighting Oromar. Like, at first, you know, you were trying to figure out your Kusari Gama. Like, maybe I'm, I I tossed this sickle a little bit. And like, I, I think frustratingly with the number of times Oromar has had to move to block severe attacks against you. And as you have been thumped around and had to leap out of the way, like, there's probably a bit of the burn of frustration or embarrassment welling up in your chest and face in that you feel like you're getting in the way a little bit. Yeah. So you shift tactics. You go to analyze the Mariner's fighting style, and it feels impossible. You know, I, I think Jonnet does have a keen eye for style and form. Uh, it, it's. I feel like it might be something Travis taught him a little bit. Because Travis, uh, we know, has this Savat-inspired, like, almost martial art that he does, but that martial art is something that is just a person who gets in trouble a lot 
but survives that trouble having walked the earth for 200 years. So he has learned how to observe people and he's come up with a style of fighting that has kept him alive in all of these different circumstances. Uh, What is Johnny something that Travis might, might have said to John to inspire him to like figure out what other people are doing when, when there's a fight happening. Oh, something like, uh, you know, your, your opponent's greatest enemy is themselves. They'll tell you exactly what they'll tell you exactly how to hurt them. All you have to do is pay attention. Oh, I love this. I, I wow. kind of think there is a moment where Jonnet had six months on this ship. A little bit more than six months because he joined slightly before the incident on the island. And there has to be a time, especially as a 15-year-old boy, where John is like, I'm on a pirate ship. I want to learn about swords. And had to go around and got like a little bit of swordplay instruction from, you know, whoever was around, whoever wasn't doing anything. Which means... He happened upon Travis one day and, you know, he had his wooden training swords and he's like, hey, show me how you fight. I want to learn how to do swords. (laughs) And Travis like rolls his eyes, gets up and you square off and Jonnet charges at Travis and then Travis just makes a slight move so that Jonnet runs into Travis's training sword, like in the stomach, knocking the wind out of him. And then just says that. I, I, I love this. And I love how this is very early on in their relationship. So <laughs> Jonnet walks away with so much respect for Travis <laughs> that he's been trying to rekindle <laughs> for months now. And Travis has just been an asshole. <laughs> And I I like the idea of Travis walking away from that interaction, not remembering who that person was. (laughs) I think he was also just like, just like, he wasn't wrong, but he was also just kind of like saying shit. Like, (laughs) (laughs) not every fight is a sword fight and not every sword fight is a fight. (laughs) Just like nothing. Just saying words. Uh, oh, I love that. Yeah, I like the idea that Jonnet, because of that experience, has like returned to Travis time and time again. <laughs> and Travis doesn't know that he's had this kind of like teacher student <laughs> relationship with Jonnet. Because uh, he's just been saying random things so that he can go back to like reading or sleeping or whatever it is he does. Yeah, I feel like half the time Jonnet just like wakes him up. And, and he's like, teacher, what yeah. else you I need say? some advice. <laughs> um, so you come back to now and you try to watch this fight between Oromar and the Mariner in the few moments when you are not diving or running for your life in all of this. And you can see Oromar's fighting form in Ormar is making the most perfect and graceful movements possible to counteract this wild titanic strength that the Mariner possesses. If Ormar was less perfect in his technique or did not 
possessed the speed that he possesses, he would have been struck down countless times during this encounter. But what you see with the Mariner is whenever Oromar gets into a position where he might be able to do something that would be lethal damage, the Mariner like forms almost coral formations on his body that uh, Oromar strikes with his sword and shatter, sending the Mariner maybe stepping back slightly, but not doing him any serious harm. The Mariner also seems to manifest different things about the sea to hurl at Oromar. It's not just swinging at Oromar with this rusted blade. It is the water welling up and smashing into Oromar as he's trying to parry. It is great gusts of wind howling around the two of you, making it difficult to stand firmly in place. It is the unnatural strength of the Mariner trying to simply swipe through the blocks and parries that Oromar is able to meet his blade with. It's also bits of netting and rope that are covered in seaweed and barnacles that are manifesting out of the Mariner's limbs and arms and slapping at the two of you. There is so much magical force here, it's hard to find any bit of sense in what you're fighting. And I think those two failures mean there's some fear here. You have a knowledge that kind of no matter what happens in the next couple minutes or hours, that you are going to survive this encounter. But you also know that someday you will have to face this opponent and you can't figure out how to even begin fighting them. I I think to that end, Jonnet has been kind of relying on this thought that no matter what, he's going to make it out of this. But I think in this moment, seeing the barrage that is the Mariner and then sort of keying into the surroundings, like seeing Ormar fending him off, but also getting a uh, run for his money. I feel like Toku's somewhere in the distance still like reeling. Uh, like Gable, it has tried to cast a spell and that hasn't worked. And John, it just becomes in that moment crystal clear that he is only ever accounted for himself in the future sense just for him he doesn't know who else is like who else made it and so i think that fear of he doesn't know who is going to leave this just has him pretty pretty shaken on top of everything else yeah yeah so I, I I don't want to limit your turn to just trying to observe the Mariner's movements. Yeah. Is there anything you do? I'm going to try and get in this this fight just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to roll... I'm going to roll something I've never done before, which is a coordination check. Because oh. I think Jonnet is going to try and... Um, the best way that I can think of this is like in Mario Kart, where you're racing behind another racer, but you get a little bit of a speed boost in their pocket. Mm-hmm. So I think he's going to try and time an advance from Oromar and get a little behind him so that he can 
try and take a swing right after Oromar has taken a swing on the Ooh. and just try and like, yeah. I like this a lot. Uh, so I feel like that's a coordination to try and time it, but I also don't know how to incorporate an attack on top of that. So here's what I'm going to say is you're making a role that will result in upgrades and advantages on the attack that gotcha. you do next round here. Okay. Um, I, I'll give it the regular melee rules. So this is going to be against two purple dice, but we're fighting the Mariner here. So it's going to be two, two red dice and one purple that you're up against in this circumstance. Uh, I think the technical term is I'm fucked. <laughs> but you also get a blue die because Oromar is in this fight with you and okay. distracting the Mariner. Awesome. Uh, all right. This is the story of a girl. Who cried? A river around the whole world. All right. This is, is going to be the background of the Mariner. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is uh, so this is going to be one failure and two advantages. Ay, ay, yeah. Okay. So the thing that you are trying to do is use Ormar fighting the Mariner to maneuver yourself into a position that gave you an advantage that that doesn't work, but something good happens for you. Uh, that isn't that. Maybe if oh, I the position that I land in doesn't le- lend itself to making an attack on him, but it could lend itself to Jonnet trying to ensnare a limb of the Mariner in the chain of the Kasarigama. I don't know. Okay, I think I've got it. This is. So, Jonnet is trying to keep his eyes open, keep his focus up. Like, he's feeling the fear a little bit of this moment, but he knows he has to do something. He can't analyze his opponent because his opponent is is completely ineffable as, as a being. He can't, like, rely on his own strength because he's not even using a weapon that he's familiar with right now. And he can't rely on other people because... In a sense, that puts them at risk. He wants his friends to be able to make it through this encounter. So instead, he tries to move himself into a position where he can do something in this fight. He's watching Oromar's cues here, watching when Oromar is moving in to defend against an attack and trying to position himself in a way where he can ensnare his opponent somehow with his Kusarigama. And... You see Oromar about to move. You're about to like roll one way and you see Oromar about to move. So you stutter step a little bit and move back the other way, which changes the angle of the Mariner's attack against Oromar's guard. And as a result, instead of fully deflecting the attack, Oromar is run through. The blade of the Mariner sticks through Oromar's chest, and there is a moment of sheer terror as the blade sticks through Oromar's back and ends just inches away from Jonnet's face. 
you are staring at death right now. And the mariner lets out a terrible laugh that sounds like crashing waves and thunder. (laughs) I think there is a lightning strike that accompanies it. You can feel all of the cruelty of the sea beating down against this rock that is Oromar. And the mariner says, It seems this will be the last we cross swords. And Ormar's like hand shakily goes to grab the mariner's hand with the sword in his chest. And it looks like these might be Ormar's last moments. He turns to Jonnet, unable to fully move his body because he's stuck in place with the sword. And your eyes meet the captain's eyes. And the captain winks. Mm. He's not going to die by being run through with the sword. Yeah. But the fucking mariner doesn't know that. Yeah. So now is the perfect time to entangle the mariner's blade with your Kusari Gama. Yeah. And I think this is probably the most quote unquote ideal intro to a Kusari Gama where it's like, it's not a moving target. It's truly just like, hey, this is what it's used for. You can wrap this around uh, like baby's first Kusari Gama. Uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, he gets the wink. And I don't even think John it would be in a cool enough state to wink back, but he just truly just slide steps out, fans out to like the natural like opening between the two opponents, raises up the blunt end of the Kasari Gama, and then just brings it down on the Mariner's blade to just in a perfect world, just like wrap around it a couple times. Hmm. Cool. Yeah, I, I I think that's what we got. So you are now like entangling uh, the Mariner's weapon. The Mariner's weapon is also stuck in Oromar's chest. So there is the Mariner really thinks that he's at a good advantage, but he doesn't know that Oromar is dead and will not stop moving after this attack. And you have wrapped up that weapon as best you can. once again to a long line of prospective uh, crew members of the skyship Uhuru. Uh, One approaches the table and places his headshot and resume down. He is an incredibly handsome older gentleman uh, with really an incredible, a a very strong jaw and impeccable features and hair that looks like it is uh, very well tended of the salt and pepper variety. He sits down on the stool and makes it look very easy and natural. Well, first of all, your headshot is magnificent. I have to say, is this professionally done? 
Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, I actually did it myself. What? How? What? I, uh... John takes the photo. <laughs> I dabble in life drawing and, uh... Any any sort of uh, lifelike uh, re- recreation through art that's actually a, uh, a pencil drawing that, that you see there. Wow. This is a pencil drawing? Wow. So this is the only one that you have? Yes, yes. Uh, uh, each each headshot I give out is a uh, bespoke uh, a piece that, that I do myself based on, you know, what I look like in the mirror that day, or at least what I remember of what I look like in the mirror. I'm very invested in detailed life drawing, and I can assure you, it's not sexual. Wait. Mm, hang on. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> Gable. If Gable went outside right now, would they see a machine that a person could step into ah! and transform them into the opposite? Is it outside right now? <laughs> what? <laughs> I think, I yeah, think this is, has to be it. This is, is this, saliva. It's so. Sal- <laughs> uh, his name is Spew. His name is Spew. <laughs> who who has done this? Who has brought the Stefan machine? <laughs> I um uh, What's your name? I, I don't know what what you could mean. My my name is Spew. My name is Spew. I don't I don't like this. And there is absolutely um, only one way to solve this. Uh what wh- whatever do you mean, my good boy? I'll be back. Travis leaves. While he's while he's going while he's doing uh while he's gone I'm going to spew here's a sword mm-hmm. you're going to need it nope oh, uh, yes I'll take this sword thank you very much mm-hmm. uh, I I must apologize I I do know this is an interview uh, generally speaking uh, you you would ask me my weaknesses but I, I figured I'd volunteer them for you uh, I. Generally speaking, don't like to go on long expository monologues talking about the world and, <laughs> and things around me. I assume everyone knows what I know. Uh, so generally speaking, I, I, I don't go in for that sort of thing. So if that's what you're looking for in a crew member, you won't find it here. Travis um, uh, returns um, with three bottles of potion. He hands one to Gable <laughs> and one to Tyler. Or not <laughs> to Tyler. <laughs> Tyler's over to the he says, Hello. Tyler, get uh, out of here. Hey, hey guys. <laughs> um, wow, this is weird. <laughs> Tyler, get back in the wormhole. Yeah. Uh, sorry. I, mean, I jump through a rips in space time and reality. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, ge- he gives the third to Jonnet. <laughs> Mr. Oh, oh. I'm going to take that sword back. I thought this was going in a different direction. Well, of course. There there you are. Uh, Now, what I've brought are three bottles of Bruce juice. When we drink these, we will get all of the karate powers of Bruce Lee. (laughs) Uh, Forgive me. Didn't Bruce Lee uh, practice Jeet Kune Do Kung Fu? I don't believe he knew any karate. I don't think that anyone who was writing this paid attention, quite honestly. (laughs) I'm less familiar with this 
part of this ceremony. Oh, but I'm oh, you've never to... you've never seen when when our friends take Bruce juice and <laughs> get good at martial arts. Yeah, I have. I've not. Oh, seen you. This, so you. This part of the ceremony. So you fell off. You fell off after that. <laughs> I did indeed. Yeah, the show got weird. <laughs> I do recall that uh, in a future season we will go to the moon. Sure, why not? I, I think I we teleport know. to France too. Who's to say? But Isn't it funny how he wasn't even supposed to be on that show more than like an episode? Just like it seems Spit, like really. we just have a bad, broken entertainment system that will allow any bit or side character to completely take over. Uh, not today. Travis <laughs> chugs the Bruce juice <laughs> and begins to do uh, uh, kung fu or whatever you just said on your ass. Jikundo. <laughs> Gable takes the juice away from Jonnet and put it, it puts it in a little bag. Like this is a Travis, a Travis. Yeah, this thing. is a Travis thing. <laughs> Spew is beaten back into the machine where he is transformed back into Spit. Uh, Spit is so badly injured that he can't really perform most of his day to day duties. So he. Uh, falls back in doing the one thing that he still can do, which is voice acting. And he goes on to voice a small blue hedgehog character and is greatly beloved in that role. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. (laughs) Yeah, great. (laughs) All right. Campaign Skyjacks is a one-shot network production. For more information, be sure to follow us on Twitter at at CampaignPod for updates about live shows and other events we might be doing. You can find more great gaming shows over at OneShotPodcast.com. Like Design Doc. Join hosts Hannah Schaefer and Evan Rowland as they redesign their first role-playing game. Design Doc is an experiment in public participatory analog game design. It's fun, it's messy, and you're invited along for the ride. Jonnet Kessler was played by Tyler Davis, who can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Tyler A. Dave. Gable was played by Liz Anderson, who can be found on Twitter at Liz Anderson underscore underscore underscore, or on her podcast, Paired. Travis Matago was played by Johnny O'Mara, who can be found on Twitter at Johnny and Briefs, or on his podcast, Dilettante Ball. I am James D'Amato, your host and game master. You can find me on Twitter at OneShotRPG or on my other podcast, OneShot. The original music featured in this production was composed and performed by Arnie Parrott. You can find Arnie on Twitter at A-R-N-E-P-A-R-R-O-T-T. And you can find more of his work at ATPTunes.com. This episode was edited by Casey Tony, who can be found on Twitter at Casey Pony, spelled C-A-S-E-Y. P-O-N-E-Y, or on his own podcast, Neoscum. Our logo was designed by Fiona Shea, who can be found on Twitter, at Fiona Pup. The World of Sphere was inspired in part by the music of the Decemberists and the card game Illimat, property of Together Studios. The game used in this production is a modified version of the Genesis role-playing system that was created by a talented group of game designers who were fired by a private equity firm owning Fantasy Flight Games. There are no kings. Take flight, heroes. Health to the strangers who've ever been kind, and once for our friends near to rise. 
Twice to the dearest we're leaving behind You know we can never deny The call of the sky